You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. It's the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. And we're about to embark on another season of the best damn team sport in the world. <laughs> the 2023 NFL season just started. I have the Lions and Chiefs on on my laptop right over here to my left. So if you keep... Uh, is that the left? Whatever. I have it off to the side. If you keep seeing me look over, that's that's why. You got a tie score at 14. I'm here with the Cranky Fan. We are amped, ready to go, ready to talk about Sunday night's game versus Dallas Cowboys. Cranky, how you feeling tonight? I'm feeling fantastic. Uh, you know, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our roundtable show that came out um, earlier this week with the, the Talking Giants crew, um, I recommend you, um, you know, after you finish this episode, go back and listen to that too, because that really got me really really into game week mode and getting really excited about not only you know the, the cowboy game but this season as a whole um we have both said how you know this is the first time in years we're really excited for a giant season not just because we miss football not because we just love the giants because we're actually building towards something and there might be you know bigger and better things on the horizon for this year so um there's nothing better than getting the season started against the team we hate the most and a t- game that, you know, could really set the foundation for, you know, what happens in this division. And this division being so competitive, you know, can set the tone for the conference this year. So let, let's get into talking about uh, Giants-Cowboys. So one thing that you said on that round table, and I'm just going to, we did like a little bit of a bold prediction thing at the end. And one thing that you said was that, uh, you didn't think Dallas would make, not that you don't think so, but your bold prediction would be that Dallas would not make the playoffs. So with that being said, that almost guarantees that Washington or the Giants would then just based on the way the I mean, it doesn't guarantee it, but based on the way the NFC is kind of stacked talent wise, I would think that two teams have to come out of the East in that scenario. So this matchup would be very important for your bold prediction from that episode. It would be, you know, you were thinking, you know, tiebreakers, you know, division, you know, tiebreaker, conference tiebreakers, win-loss, head-to-head, really will factor into that. And I really think that this Cowboy team, you know, if they weren't the Dallas Cowboys, if they were, I don't know, the Denver Broncos would be thought of differently. Um I, 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 we're going to talk about Dak Prescott. We're going to talk about the offensive line. We're going to talk about, you know, they don't have Zeke Elliott anymore. We're going to talk about all these different things. And if you kind of line everything up, I, I think this team's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. And uh, I just, you know, I'm not going to go to Vegas and say they're not making the playoffs, but I would certainly not be shocked if they take a few steps back. And I don't think in this division and in this conference, you can take steps back and think you're going to the playoffs and, and just, you know, put it in pen, you're going in. So, you know, there are, there's always teams that, you know, there's always turnover from who didn't make the playoffs last year, who makes it this year. 
Um, there's a lot of hip picks out there. You know, you have your, your, your lions, which everybody's excited about. And, uh, more and more people getting on the giant bandwagon for, for th- this year. And, you know, that means some teams can't make the playoffs. And I just have that feeling that Dallas is going to be one of those teams that is going to be on the outside looking in this year. So this matchup is going to be Sunday night, September 10th at MetLife Stadium at 8.15 or 8.20 or 8.30 or whatever random middle. Whenever the, yeah. whenever the hour of commercials are over. Yes, that's correct. But before we get into the full uh, breakdown of this game, the injury report, etc., um, the Just Giants pre-game uh, preview coverage of the Week 1 Sunday night match between the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants is brought to you by... Zigmeister brewing at no expense to them. Why am I advertising a beer for no money? That's because they're a relatively small company that makes a quality product and deserve advertising by word of mouth by their satisfied customers. A situation not completely unlike the podcast that you're listening to or viewing right now. So please follow my lead. Spread the word about Just Giants to your fellow Giants and football fans. Tell them that it's available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and most importantly, YouTube. And... Try Zigmeister beer for yourself. I am actually doing this because I do like this beer. This isn't a canned thing. This is a canned beer. This isn't like a, a, a thing anybody put me up to. I, I honestly truly like this beer. It's a North Jersey beer. It can be found in stores, and I highly recommend it, just like I highly recommend our own coverage of the game. Well, if you're an old uh, geezer like me with a heart condition you really can't drink anymore, I recommend uh, Fortune and Mason uh, Smoky Earl Grey Tea. <laughs> you guys always see me with a with a mug in my hand and it's not uh you know it's not schnapps it's not uh you know a vodka or anything in here this is usually hot tea so i got this from england i got these boxes when we went over last year for the uh did you really Green bay game i yeah, remember did you, know, you get it the duty free i got it the duty free i got boxes and boxes of it you know the game where we got the tickets and never got the tickets to actually go to we ended up watching a bar across the street that game um, so yeah, so I am the teetotaler of the bunch because of uh, the old ticker here, but um, I get high off life. So. I'm I'm just gonna throw this out there. Sir, I have listened to podcast ad reads. I've had to read them. I have viewed multiple. I think that that blurb that I threw together in like 30 seconds before we started, better than most. I I was pretty impressed. You Thank know, you. I am. Looking at our bank account and pretending money's flowing in from it, and uh, no, that was great. I mean, that was. Uh, was a That's not my point. My point is, I, I think, just think it was better. Oh, not that it's more effective. You've had a hell of a week. You hosted a roundtable that was fantastic. You had a great ad read. Uh, you know, segue master. <laughs> I just retire it. right now before we even do the coverage. Yeah. Thank you. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. So, um, no football game is worth talking about if you're not going to start with the injury report. So let's hit it with the injuries. Giants relatively healthy. Brian Dable said that everybody was practicing. He's mostly right in some degree. They had an off day today. This is Thursday. Um, so we're going to go with the injury report from yesterday. Um, Aaron Robinson still in the PUP, but Wandale Robinson was activated. Wandale, Javarius Owens, Cordell Flott, DJ Davidson, Lawrence Cager, Cam Brown, and Gary Bright will, will all practice in a limited capacity. Maybe some of them will be ramped up, but I, I expect that that will be the, the injury report tomorrow, too. Or you guys are listening to this today. I imagine it's going to stay the same. Um, before we get to Dallas, your thought. Wandale's not playing for like two weeks, right? Unless something happens to the slot receiver. 
I, I wouldn't think so. And quite honestly, I don't think there's really a need to at this point either. I mean, it, this Dallas game is important for all the reasons I said before, but it is also week one of a 17-week season. And um, we don't need to rush anybody back a, a, at this point. I think we we have a solid enough wide receiver um, room that we don't need to force guys back until they are ready to perform and perform know successfully and i think that was also the reason why they had i mean like i know everyone thought it was hilarious that they had cole beasley and sterling shepherd and paris campbell and jamison crowder and wandale robinson but i think that that was why it was weeding out you know just how many slot weeding out a group of slot guys to the best collective group to let wandale come along slowly i mean when you really think about it he got hurt against the lions last year right Mm -hmm. that was like midway through the year there's a right. young kid coming back from an ACL. Take your time. It's impressive enough that he's moving and whatever. There's no reason to put him out there in a contact situation uh, when you have the roster depth to compensate. Yes, he's probably going to be more – I don't know, man. When I Wandale Robinson is interesting to me because he's not a pick that I'm still on board with yet. He did have a great game, the game in which he tore his ACL, but was otherwise kind of still growing – he wasn't really much of a wide receiver at the two schools he was at. He was kind of a gimmick player, half a running back sort of thing. You know, I'm still not 100% that that was a great draft pick. Um, but indisputable is that he is capable of turning nothing into something big. And I think that's just the kind of thing, like, if that's what you want out of him, if that's the quality that you're excited for, then don't rush him from this injury. Right? Absolutely. I mean, also, he is not wide receiver one on this team. He is not he's not the type of guy where if we don't have him, this offense is going to stall and be stuck in the in the muck. Uh, You know, he is one of several number twos we have on this roster and we can we can game plan around him not being here for a couple of weeks. So, you know, if, uh, you know, Waller was out or Barkley was out, that's that's a different story. But we have all of our main weapons ready to go for Sunday night. So, you know, thinking big picture, long season, I think they're doing the right thing. Um, most of those other injuries I'm not that concerned about. Cordell Flott, I would say, is important. Um, hamstring injuries, never, never fun. I, just, I feel like there's just never a timetable. Guys can come back. You can be excited for them in the back, and they can tweak it again and be out they, for another eight weeks. They never fully heal until the off season, and that's the unfortunate thing. Because there's simply, it's an injury that will always be irritated by the simple fact of running with your legs. So you know the only time that a hamstring really gets better is rest. And guess what? There's no rest between now and Lincoln's birthday. So. He's going to have to deal with it, manage it the best we can, and, you know, see what happens. Um, shall we flip to the Dallas side? Is there any yes, other injuries? Okay. Inter- I think this is the interesting piece. Yeah. I think so, too. So as of now, Jordan Lewis, nickel corner, uh, practiced fully coming back from a foot injury. But three very important Dallas players did not practice. Tyler Smith, starting left guard, future left tackle, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Defensive end and uh, NASCAR driver, Sam Williams. (laughs) 
and uh, I think it's Donovan Wilson is a safety, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all three of them did not practice. Uh, I think Donovan Wilson and Sam Williams are probably depth pieces, but Tyler Smith is most definitely a very important starter on what I would consider at this point, would you say it's like an aging O-line? Absolutely. I okay, think that go was ahead. Kind of was alluding to earlier saying, you know, because the name Dallas Cowboys, you think in your head, you know, a fantastic offensive line. And this has seen its better days. And, you know, having someone like him who may not be available is a huge, you know, could be a huge swing for, a, a you know, having a quarterback that, you know, makes mistakes, and especially when he has pressure. Um, you know, there is a quarterback playing in this game, Grump, over the last two years, has 25 picks and 18 fumbles, and it's not Daniel Jones. You know, I think the narrative, if you ask the, the average man on the street, you know, who would that be? They would say Daniel Jones. That's Dak Prescott. And if that line is not what we think it is, and he is, you know, under pressure, and Wink Martindale knows this, you know, and he sees these numbers I just read. They are going to try to make life hell for him and get him into a situation where he makes mistakes. So this is this is really, really big news. Yeah, I would certainly say so. Um, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily call this an aging offensive line, but it's certainly a downgraded one. I mean, maybe they're going to do a smooth transition from Tyron Smith at left tackle to Tyler Smith eventually. Um, and, I, and I do like Tyler Smith. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet. They've had to bring back Tyron Smith. Tyler Smith is not ready. Um, you know, Biotish is not the same as Travis Frederick, who they had had for a number of years. And I don't know, did he like retire early? Uh, or I think he might he might have just had like a storied injury history and finally retired. You know, Zach Martin is is the one I would Zach Martin and Tyron Smith are the two guys I would say are aging. They just backed up a Brinks truck for uh, Terrence Steele at right tackle. And I know it's a lot of money, but um, he's not like a slouch, but he's also, this is not, this isn't the O-line that we're used to. And if one of these five are hurt, then I would expect that this is an exploitable situation for the Giants. Sounds like it sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds like us. Oh God. Um, <laughs> that w- What good news that would be. <laughs> Um, so when we did this pens and pencils matchup back in, I think it was July, like early July, maybe late June, we had different projections. Uh, I had this as a loss in pencil, but you had this as a win in pencil, uh, you were starting to see the, uh, like, I guess the graphs start to go in different directions between the Giants and the Cowboys. Um, and I think, like, even back then in early summer, you were already kind of moving towards that bold prediction of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, you had said that while you're most afraid of Dan Quinn and not Mike McCarthy in this situation, uh, you had referenced that because this is week one, there's no film really for Dan Quinn to study about all these new pieces that were brought in. Darren Waller and Paris Campbell and Jalen Hyatt. There's no film for any of this. Uh, So you were saying that that works towards our advantage and you thought that we would come away with a big win in this one. 
I, on the other hand, I, I, and I still do feel this way. I can't really quantify it. It's that first game of the year, the advantage just kind of seems to go to the more longer established, steady team. They've been... I think they're on the downtrend. I, I just, I felt then, and I, you know, we'll get into our projections now, but I felt then that this would be a really, really close loss. And I had it in pencil. I could see this flipped, but I, I, I thought that this would come down to like the final two to three minutes of the fourth quarter and be a one score loss. Um, do you still feel the way that you felt then? Do you feel stronger? Do you feel weaker? Do you feel the same? I feel the same. Um, I feel that in either of the previous three or four, you know, three coaching regimes, I think this was a losers lose game, a game where we play well, but you know, we play 40, we play 54 minutes instead of 60 and we find a way to lose. I think with year two of this coaching staff, you know, there is a 100% difference in attitude and culture on this team that we haven't had since, you know, the heyday of the Coughlin era. I don't think this is losers lose anymore with this team. And I think this is a team that, you know, you know, we saw last year. We played well in second halves. Think of the Tennessee game. Think of, the, you know, especially early in the season. And I still feel the same. I, I again, I am feeling more and more that Dallas is going to be one of those teams at the end of the year. It's going to be one of those. What happened to this team teams? I really, really do, and I think that starts this week. So I, I still feel the same way I did when that that initial pens and pen, uh, pens and paper, uh, pens and whatever it was, <laughs> pens and pencil review back when was. Yeah, I, I. So here's the thing: I feel like mostly the same, but I I could be convinced otherwise. Here's the biggest factor for me when I look at this. We're going to get into what I think you got to do or whatever, but the weather report right now is calling for the potential of scattered thunderstorms all day, all night, which is going to be fucking miserable, by the way. Well, that doesn't help someone flying from Gainesville on Sunday morning to uh, the Meadowlands, so let's hope, let's hope that that kind of just doesn't happen at all during the day, for my sake. Oh, did Katarius Tony just drop a, a pass right in his mitts? That's oh, you missed the Kadarius Tony dropped off his uh, right off his hands into a pick six. You missed that one. No, it's, I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know that that one was totally his fault. This one was right in his lap. Let's see here. You're getting real time analysis. Is that him? I can't tell. Oh, that's almost not his fault either. The crossers yeah. that poorly time throw. It, throw. It, it did hit him right in the hand. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing: if it's going to thunderstorm. I'm going to have to lean on the team that can run the ball more effectively is going to be the one that's able to edge out a win here. Now, I know that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley is a running game winner, and I'm not trying to take away from that. But going up against the Giants defense and running with Tony Pollard versus going up against that Dan Quinn Dallas defense and doing anything aren't really the same. And I don't think that we... It's not a matter of whose running game is better. It's whose has a better chance of being successful. And I think it's them. Uh, down the field, I think Dak Prescott can be flustered, especially with injuries on that offensive line. If you can get in his face, if you can overload that left side where you have an, 
old Tyron Smith and a replacement for Tyler Smith, then you can you know you can prevent Dak Prescott from being able to take five step drops and throwing bombs down the field to Brandon Cooks, but you're still going to be able to run with a very good running back who was uh, a fantasy stud last year. I mean, like, it's sure important that Ezekiel Elliott isn't there, but I would say more so for the fact that it gives Tony Pollard fresh legs and for Ezekiel Elliott's uh, borderline elite running back blocking ability. He's certainly one of the better ones in the league. Um At this stage in 2023, I think that that's more where Elliott's value is. I don't know. Do you kind of feel that? Do you think that the weather has that same effect? Eh, I mean, here's my thing, is that we spent a lot of time this offseason talking about the Giants' pass rush, the Giants' secondary, Giants' linebackers, all of this. But the biggest the real improvement this team really need to make was stopping the run. This was not a very good team stopping the run last year. And if we continue to have those struggles – you know, it's a different game when it's third and three versus third and seven. So, you know, it's going to be a, a big early test to see where are we, you know, with the front seven, how well we're stopping the run. And we're facing a, you know, we're talking about this offensive line like, you know, it's five stiffs, but it's still a good offensive line. And they are, you know, their running game will set up everything else on their offense. So, you know, right out of the chute we are going to be tested and that's the matchup. I don't, I don't think the weather is going to have that much of a factor because of that. Um, you know, will the weather affect the cranky fan? Affect me? Yes. Uh, the biggest effect will be if I can get to New Jersey in time, I will be ready to go. I will be fired up. I think you'll, I think you'll be okay. Cause I think it, cause it's a scattered thunderstorms. I don't think it's the kind of thing that they can really delay a flight for. Nah. I get in early enough. I think I land at like two there or something. Yeah. So I should we'll we'll, we'll see, I'm, you know, as we get closer to it. But right now it was like an all-day thing when I checked a couple well, hours here, ago. So. Here's something that we, you know, we don't know and, and intangible that we don't know yet. We have a new turf. True. We don't know how that plays in less than ideal conditions. You know, it's only been two you know, preseason games that we played on it. Yeah. And the, and the, Jets, and the Jets played one. Um, we are about eight days removed from the Springsteen concert, so they had all that stuff on the, uh, you know, I know they put support on there and everything, but it still covered the field and stuff, so we don't know. We don't know how this turf is going to play. Is it yeah. something when it's... When it's Daniel when... Jones slips on some drunk Springsteen fan's barf at the 50 <laughs> and wipes out? Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's... That, in, you know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of turf than we had before. And, again, every every place plays a little different. So, you know, I, again, that's not going to make the difference, I think, but we just don't know how that's going to play, like, you know, how it's going to be. So uh, something just to keep your eye on for that. But I don't think I don't think it's going to be that major of a, uh, you know, I always, you know, I'm always one of those people who says that rain and slick conditions – always helps an offense you know receivers know when they're cutting corners and safeties always have to react so they always get the advantage anyway um but again it's going to come down to you know pass rush and, and field position to set up opportunities for offense so here's what i have for 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 the giants offense 
the first and foremost thing is dealing with Dan Quinn's defense. It's not about what you're doing. It's about what you're preventing. Um, and the first thing you have to do is slow down the pass rush. When I look at their depth chart, I know that they're loaded, but they are certainly more loaded in the front than they are in the back. That is just indisputable. Besides, and, and besides Gilmore, who's getting old, and Diggs, who's a very big gambler and can be exploited, I don't really give a shit about their, their secondary. Malik Hooker is pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's nothing, like, crazy. And if... if Right. I mean, guys like Malik Hooker, you know, they're able to be better safeties when they can rely on a consistent pass rush that generates tons of pressure. Um, so when I look at this, the first thing you have to do is slow down that pass rush. That front is hardcore, and the best way to do that is with a quick game. Um, so slow down the pass rush, open up the offense a little bit. Find your mismatches at the line of scrimmage before before the snap. You know, that pre-snap read, look at the defense, find your... We have all these weapons to throw to. Between Darren Waller and Paris Campbell and Jalen Hyatt and Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, that is a solid group of receivers that can win against some backup there. If those three or four guys are out there, then there is a mismatch that can be exploited, hopefully. And if you can identify that at the snap and get the ball out really fast, slow down and frustrate that pass rush, then you can open up your offense for the running game, for the big-time play-action pass, get into a rhythm, that sort of thing. And I honestly think that that's kind of the best way to do it. But it's also important. I know that the pass rush is going to be a pain in the ass, and I know that the quick game is the way to do it. I think it's important to just occasionally attack deep, whether it's just with the route or just throwing bombs in, in, into uncatchable places to keep them honest. And and not only keep them honest, do it in unconventional times to do it. You know, if it's first and 10, take a shot. I mean, the odds that they're coming in with a full blitz or just, you know, going crazy after the quarterback on first and 10 is not going to be as much as, you know, third and 10 or something. So, you know, keep the tempo of your offense unpredictable. And I don't mean by that, you know, you know, how much time is left on the time clock on the game clock or something, but like, you know, down in distance, don't play to your down in distance, mix it up. And that, 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 that's another advantage. And I think just having guys like Waller now, I think it makes that short game. That's kind of what the bread and butter of this offense is going to be, I think. I so. think so, too. Well, it's going to be mainly Campbell and and Waller, right? And yeah. I would hope that this is the year and possibly this game. This might be a good game to, to exploit this. Man, I'm saying that word a lot. i got to cut that out. Um, to test this out, Saquon Barkley, more and more Texas routes and things like that out of the backfield. Use him as a receiver. He is a mismatch. I would take Saquon Barkley being covered by Leighton Vander Esch any day of the week. I'll take that shit Monday, 9 a.m. Here's something else, too, that I think that, you know, Daniel Jones has had how many offensive coordinators and how many head coaches since he's been here? A lot. Now that he's finally in a year two of a system that's been tailor-made for what his strengths are, I think he's going to have more ownership of this offense, and I think you're going to see his ability to check at the line be better than it has been just because he has more comfort in what he's doing. And I think in a defense we're expecting to see a very aggressive Dan Quinn defense, that's going to be very, very important. So, I mean, that's something we're looking for the maturation of Daniel Jones. 
this is the type of game where, you know, don't worry so much about, you know, you know, completion percentage, but look at how smart he's being, you know, at the line, pre-snap reads, pre-snap adjustments. I think this is a game where you're going to see hopefully that growth from him. Well, I would say that, that growth has been there. It's just not been covered by the national media whatsoever, like nothing at all. Um, I noticed it for the first time that game that Nick Gates broke his leg in Washington was like a week two, week three game or something like that. And Nick Gates is out of the game very early on. And all of a sudden you could see where the Giants were humming early on. They were getting snaps out with like 15 seconds on the play clock. Now they're going down to three, two, one because he is, he was out there calling all of the offensive line uh, setups, the play calling, you know what I mean? Like he was doing all the audibles. He was doing everything then. And that was two years ago. Um, so from that point, that was where I saw that step from him. I know that it's there. Um, it's not been highlighted. The media doesn't really love to talk about Daniel Jones getting better. They like to continue to say the same things from four years ago. Um, yeah, I agree with you, though. I do think that this is, like I said, like find your mismatch at the snap. You know what I mean? Find your mismatches at the line of scrimmage. Figure that out before you snap the ball. That's going to be how it, they uh, are able to... You know, just take advantage of a weaker secondary than there is pass rush. I just gave you some Dak stats about, you know, his perplexity to turn the ball over, right? How much do you want to bet? I will bet you a, you know, a pretzel with salt on it at the game Sunday night that the first graphic they throw up on the screen is going to be about Daniel Jones' turnover issues. I will take that bet, and I think that – can I add nuance? Will it count in my favor if they show first few years versus last year? Well, if they do that, I think then – you know, I think that the bet's off. Because that's, okay. I, 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 I think that, you know, that – you know, your first impression – your first impression of Daniel Jones on the national spotlight is that he's a turnover machine. And they already – I'm sure the producer already has it queued up the, you know – the fumbles and the picks and everything and you know if they are still on that narrative that is lazy sloppiness well see that's what that's why i don't think it's going to happen because this is a sunday night matchup they, i mean the giants got an unfathomable amount of primetime games they are ready to deal with the giants are back kind of hype i mean but also the nfl ready. loves it tv loves it primetime loves it so but, the, but, but they're going to legitimize the matchup that's what i'm saying yeah but they also want to slob uh the Cowboys knob too whenever they can so you know my point mm. is that I don't know I'm, I'm willing to take that back it should be the other way yeah I, I mean I don't think they're going to cover the fact that Dak has gotten worse but I do think they'll highlight Daniel Jones early turnover struggles but I do think that the point of that graphic because they're generally not negative graphics that NBC likes to put up they do like to put positive ones if there's a bad player they usually try to just talk about a better player and just talk about something else instead. But I do think that because the Giants are bad, like, the Giants have been bad in the national eye for several years now, for long enough that people in Seattle probably, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? They're not in tune. They don't know the baby steps that have come along that brought us to last year. Um, 
So I, I, I think that NBC and the NFL and stuff, they're, they're going to want to legitimize the primetime stuff, especially after you know the disaster that was Russell Wilson and all of his primetime games last year. I think that they'll, they'll show his growth, but they'll highlight specifically last year and not necessarily the climb that he's had. He's been a, not a turnover machine for several years now. Agreed. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, the second the second most thing that Daniel Jones is known about nationally, if you're not following the Giants every day, and you should be by listening to this podcast, is that contract that he signed. Yeah. And, you know, when you just see raw numbers, numbers that are not in context or anything else, you're like, how much did Daniel Jones get for his contract? And we're, we're going to talk about Joe Burrow at the end of the episode and where Daniel Jones fits in the overall scheme of contracts now. But, you know, if you ask the average again we all we've talked about this before but people who watch sunday night football are multiple camps there's your hardcore football fan there's your casual football fan there's you know the family sitting around who doesn't even think about football until sunday and a lot of people just know of daniel jones as you know oh yeah he's the quarterback for the giants oh yeah um he's big contract maybe but that's about it they couldn't tell you anything about his play of game or something so um this is you know when you're in prime time that's your opportunity to change narratives that's your opportunity to really shine and you know really set what people think about you and that that means a lot you know it, it it impacts players potential to make the pro bowl or you know become an all nfl player because of these high profile games these are games that the league is sitting around watching. Players watch it. Uh, writers who may be covering the bucks on a daily beat, they're sitting at home and watching this. So it's your opportunity to change perceptions. And, you know, doing it against a team with, you know, it's always on the microscope ready with the Cowboys. This is a perfect opportunity for things like that. My prediction for this game, Dallas Cowboys 30, New York Giants 24. Like I said, I think the weather impacts this. I still think that a little bit of getting feet wet, but I, I think that, like I said, comes down to the final two, three minutes. I think this game is actually 27-24 up until the last couple of, you know, the last minute. I, that final drive for the Giants going for it on fourth down, they stall. Dallas is able to be in field goal position to kick an extra field goal. But really, it's 27-24 right at the end, and the Giants just fail to make that game-winning drive happen. Plenty to walk away excited about, but we won't talk about it till Monday. Leaving the stadium Sunday night, we're going to be pissed. That's my prediction for right now. I could be I could be convinced otherwise, and I do think that if it doesn't rain, there's a better chance that the Giants win than Dallas. What do you think? the Giants are winning this game 24-17. I think, I think this is a game that we are going to get out to a quick early start. I mean, I'm going to go into my crystal ball, and last year I pulled some things out of my ass that I had no business being correct on, and I feel like we're going to go for a big explosive play pretty early in this game. You know, welcome to the national spotlight, Hyatt. You know, a, a, a long attempt for him, more than 40 yards, that we complete. And we jump out to an early lead. Um, I think we're going to play one of the cleaner games we played in a game one than we've had in the last several years. I think I again, I, I'm just basing this on the, my the gut right here. But I think you're going to see a very low amount of things like procedural penalties, uh, you know, false starts or offsides. I think we're going to be clean and sound. And I think 
our best chance to beat teams that are equal, if not have better talent than we do, is be the better coached, the fundamentally sound team. I just have a feeling we're going to do that tonight. Um, I hope so because the the amount. Sorry, I'm I'm not trying to interject, but yeah. I was kind of floored initially. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but I was I was surprised at how many. Um, Simple things like procedural penalties the Giants had in their second preseason game with the starters playing. Yeah. I was I was just surprised. That's all. I I think they were, you know, antsy to go out there and do something. It was mostly the defense, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like Dexter yeah. Lawrence and shit like that. I I think they were just excited to go out there and hit some people and stuff. But I I think so too. I was I, just I, surprised. I, I didn't expect that. Yeah, and every year as I get older and older, I take less and less stock of those actual games and what actually happens in there. Um, I, I think that's the first time you're hitting, and that's one of the reasons why I like these guys to play a little bit in preseason. So you get those initial butterflies taken care of, and now you go out and you play. Um, I, I just I just feel like you know this is a coaching staff, and you know we could be talking in 12 months from now, and we're like serious questions about this coaching staff you know how this league is but right now i feel like this coaching staff is putting this team in an advantage over other other teams that may not have that coaching staff it's advantageous and you know brian dable would you rather have brian dable right now or mike mccarthy you don't need to ask me that question of course right and i i think this is a a, a coaching staff that almost everybody's back they have continuity on this team um I, I, I just think that we are going to play a clean game, and that's really going to help us, especially early in this game. And I think we're going to jump out to an early lead. I think, you know, we're going to see enough on this offense of change of pace and different things that is not going to, we're not going to be predictable, and we're not going to fall into patterns that a smart defensive coordinator will be able to identify and jump on. I, I think we. we say half a step ahead of them at all times um i think that as soon as evan neal makes one mistake everybody's gonna go ape shit but i think he's gonna have an overall gonna be like overall he played he played better than last year um i, I just i just think we're gonna come out of here and i think we're gonna win I, I what that says for the rest of the season doesn't really mean much i just think for this game playing against a rival uh, we go out and we get the victory. So I'm going to go 24-17. Joe Burrow signed a five-year extension with the Cincinnati Bengals for $275 million with $220 million guaranteed. Uh, you wanted to talk about this, so let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, this is just Giants, so basically everything we talk about is how does that really relate to the Giants. Um I think it, all it does is, you know, and I kind of said this a little before, was that when you, you think of um, you think of Daniel Jones, you hear that number of his contract, and you're just like, wow, that guy is overpaid. But right now, if you look at the quarterback cap numbers now, salary ranking, um, right now Daniel Jones falls to 13th highest cap hit next year behind Burrow. And then you have to figure also that guys who need to be paid, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Herbert, um, you can make a case that some uh, Jalen Hurts, 
Uh, you can make a case at some point. Uh, Justin Fields is on this list. So in reality, he's probably about mid-pack in the league, and I think that's a fair number for what he should be getting based on where he is in the league. I think he's, you know, middle of the pack is where he is as far as a quarterback in this league. So I, I think that, you know, a lot of people don't have context for things. And they see a number of what he's getting, and they go crazy. But I, I think, you know, as as this market for quarterbacks is getting set by guys who are, you know, obviously on rookie deals and haven't gotten what they're due. I think you're seeing that Daniel Jones is right about where he should be. And I think that's a, uh, you know, a credit, I think, again, to this this front office for not overpaying for people and, you know, holding the line for what they want to do with overall salary cap construction of this team for not just this year, but going forward. I've never had a problem with Daniel Jones's contract. Um, and oh. I, I, first of all, part of it is that it's only a two-year deal. Everybody wants to look at total numbers and think that they're a fucking cap expert. The cap is one of the hardest things in football to understand. The cap, the way they structure contracts, void years, dead cap, all this fucking – there's so much stuff with escalators and – you know, top 51 salaries in the preseason, there's so many little factors and it's a lot to cover. And I openly admit all the time that I am not an expert on any of this stuff. That being said, I do know a little bit and I know that most of the people that react always react to the big chunk number, which almost always means fucking dick. It means nothing. Daniel Jones has a dead out after two years. If he doesn't play well, he will not be here for all four years of his contract. And all of that money that everybody is saying he doesn't deserve, he won't even get. So it doesn't matter. It's still, yes, it's still a lot of money. But I have always looked at it as, yes, first of all, you don't necessarily pay people what they're worth. They're worth what you need. There's a supply and demand here. So you you need to continue you're not going to just draft a quarterback after you know making the playoffs and expect that you're going to turn your franchise around and, and they needed to pay him he had put them in a position where he had earned a new contract and they were going to have to pay him they and i mean that joe shane and and what's his face who's been here for 100 years as their cap guy um kevin abrams they've they had to find a common ground on where Daniel Jones would lie when people like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, etc., had their contracts come up and do. I won't say Justin Fields because right now I wouldn't even sign him to a new deal based on anything he's done. Uh, we'll see after this year. But you made a – that was always the point. Like they have to set the market somewhere that's a little bit higher than you'd expect to pay because you know that those following guys who came with more clout, first of all – all of them, um, and they've also immediately had an impact. If anything, the Giants were able to benefit from the fact that Daniel Jones took some time to develop until towards the end of his preset contract from the rookie scale. I never had an issue with Daniel Jones' contract. Uh, it never, it certainly didn't preclude them from doing anything this offseason. They re-signed Dexter Lawrence. They re-signed uh, Andrew Thomas. They re-signed Saquon Barkley. They re-signed Darius Slayton. Isaiah Hodgins, they add, and, then, and then they added on top of that, traded for downward. It didn't stop them from doing a single thing, first of all, so there's no reason to hate that. It didn't actually reset the market. It's only a two-year deal if they want it to be. The whole, the, I never had an issue with it, personally. I think, I think most people who had an issue with it had an issue with the day he was drafted, and it just kind of played all the way through. It just continuing with, you know, 
their perception and their opinion of the guy. So, you know, if we if, if we lined up everybody who was thought the contract was absurd, let's go back and see what their personal histories are. Um, the one question I do have for you, Grump, is that they did restructure his contract a little bit, open up some cap space for this year. And I think I read somewhere that that might make you know, it's still a two-year voidable after the third, but makes it more complicated in that third year. So it makes it all intents and purposes three years instead of two. Do you have anything uh, about that, or? Um, I don't know the full details of that. Um, I, I, I saw that it happened, but those kinds of cap things usually come with a ton of nuance, and I tend to rely on things like spot track and stuff. And I don't believe they've been updated for that yet, because that only happened like earlier this week, I think. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think it makes it more of a three-year deal than a four-year uh, than a two-year deal. But either way, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to play it's not so a six-year deal. exactly. But I don't think he's going to play so poorly that you know it was going to be a two-year deal anyway. The the yeah. point was is that the deal that they gave him had safety measures involved, and that if you were looking at the overall number, then you were. You might as well have not even been looking at the picture. You might as well have just like come up with an opinion without reading what the numbers were. I mean, Optum's razor with Daniel Jones this year. I mean, the guy is going to have more weapons, a better offensive line, second year in this offense, a better defense to put that offense in better position. And he should just be better from all of those things. If he is significantly worse because of all those things, we have a major problem. But everything is set up for him to be at the bare, bare minimum 2022 Daniel Jones and probably be better just on the simple fact that his surroundings are better Washington is hosting the Arizona Cardinals the new Josh Harris owned Washington Commanders um, this is a Washington win right Jonathan Gannon is a total fraud it's a rough rough game <laughs> I, I know I, it's an interesting thing because Washington fans are probably more excited they've been in 15 years they should be they should be they should be for everything except for what goes on on the field i think you know just you have that yoke of um daniel snyder off your shoulders you know now there's talk that they may rebrand the team again they should we're talking again about maybe you know building a new stadium again where rfk used to be so it's one of those things where the future looks bright but i still think you know they they're gonna have some some growing pains with, 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 with the quarterback and stuff. and uh, But having said all of that, Arizona's <laughs> awful. And I, I, they, they should come over with a win. And Kyler Murray's not even playing. Yeah. And they <laughs> yes. got rid of uh, Colt McCoy. So, I don't know. Maybe well, I should maybe, take the bus to the stadium. If, if you have, you know, the uh, the four box on your screen with the new uh, YouTube TV for, uh, uh, for Sunday ticket, that's probably not making it even though it's a division game. <laughs> Philadelphia is traveling to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Um, that's a rematch of a Super Bowl I didn't watch. Um, and I think the result will be the same. I think this is going to be Philly all day. Are you buying it all that New England might be better this year? I don't know. Better? I, I don't think they'll be bad. Um, but... I think getting Bill O'Brien to be your offensive coordinator instead of Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, I mean, you might as well have played all of last year with two hands tied behind your back and gotten to a boxing <laughs> with Mike Tyson. I don't... I mean, 
that's it's almost like you could trip and fall and do better than than last year. You should not be worse than last year. I don't know how much better, but nevertheless, playing Philadelphia is not a matchup that I would want them to be. Uh, I agree. You know, I don't know. Philly wins. Do you have any final thoughts? Well, I, I've said it in the last couple episodes. This is as excited for a giant team as I've been in a long time. It's you know, it's the first time in 30 years that my you know my excitement level is on my pro team over my college team, and uh, I am ready to get to L17 as early as I can on Sunday and see all of our friends and and, and tailgate and get ready for a, a season. I think, you know, the no matter what happens this year, whether we make the playoffs or not, or how far the run is, we are going to at least see a team that will be fun to watch. We will be watching them play a pretty good schedule. I think we should be competitive in almost every game and, you know, favored in some, and maybe this thing gets on a roll, but I think this will be a fun team to watch. Um, you know, having in your head, the combination of the future we're building, but there's some future is now to it. So I'm just ready to get it started. I'm, I'm tired of talking all off season about, you know, combines and drafts and OTAs and signings and this and that. Now we actually get to watch football. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, we have the, you know, this Lions game on now. I'm just excited that it's on my TV. So, you know, from now until Sunday, it's just that uh, we're back. I'm sure I'll be pissed off at the first three and out and we have to punt and, you know, all that. But for right now, I'm just glad it's back. And I'm glad we are relevant again. I am hoping for a thunderstormy morning uh, that gets cleared up by the afternoon all the humidity that we've been suffering through up here in the last couple of days is done. And we have a nice, cool Sunday night game with clear skies. Uh, it's a blue out, by the way. It's a blue out. We have to wear blue. Um, yeah, I w- the white out game against Dallas last year didn't go very well, even though Cooper Rush was the quarterback. But let's hope for better results for this one, huh? Let's hope I'm wrong. It's a division game, so I will have my Phil Sims jersey on. I bring that out for... Uh... Division games, playoff games, Super Bowls. So um, I was you know. so excited. I had I have a a baller thing put together that I was really excited to wear. But if it's if it's super duper hot, or if it's raining, I'm not gonna do it. Uh, I'll put it off for that Monday night game against Seattle. But um, and and in that case, I would go with my standard Lawrence Taylor jersey for the game. Also blue. Good choice. Good choice. In that case, we will see you guys at the game at L16 tailgate before the game. Um, so come say hi if you are there early enough for – if you're going at all. Um, if you're there early enough for the tailgate, come by, say hi. And um, if you are not going to the game, watch along at home. Tweet at football underscore grump. Tweet at the cranky fan. Tweet at Just Giants Pod, and stay tuned for our next episode that will be recorded Monday night after the game, with plenty of time to, you know, rewatch the game and reflect on it for a Tuesday morning episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., and of course on YouTube. Yeah, thank you to all our new subscribers after the roundtable show. It's been, you know, welcome everybody. If you're new to the show, we try to keep this fun. We try to keep this light. You know, we are giant fans first. And, uh, you know, be sure to subscribe and put a comment in, send us a a DM, do whatever you want to do, because the more Giant fans we talk to, the better this show gets. So we appreciate everybody who is watching this little program. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And with that, 
Go Giants. Go Giants.